This message is brought to you by Nuveen. Nuveen has provided investment excellence for 125 years with expertise across income and alternatives. Nuveen continues to expand its capabilities while maintaining its legacy as a leading investment manager. Visit Nuveen.com to learn more. Investing involves risk. Loss of principle is possible. Coming up on the WSJ Media Mix podcast, Awesomeness TV president Brett Boutier talks digital content new fronts, the evolution of online video networks, and the future of TV. Welcome to the WSJ Media Mix podcast, bringing you interviews and analysis with people that matter in the fast-changing media business. Welcome to the WSJ Media Mix podcast. I'm Jack Marshall in New York. I'm joined today by my colleague and WSJ media reporter, Shalini Ramachandran. Shalini, how are you? I'm good. This is nice the first time we've done a podcast together. Yeah, that's right. It's pretty exciting. Uh, so we're joined today. Uh, we're lucky to have a guest with us today, uh, Brett Boutier, who is president of Awesomeness TV. Brett, thanks so much for coming in. Thanks so much for having me. Great to be here. Cool. So busy week ahead in the world of digital video. It is the, the new fronts in uh, New York City this week. Um, we'll get to that in a minute. Um, but I was hoping you could just sort of start by, for our listeners who aren't familiar with awesomeness, or you know, perhaps for those who are, uh, just to sort of give us a, a quick intro. Um, my understanding is, you know, awesomeness sort of began as a, a network of, of YouTube channels, a, an MCN, if you will. Uh, that space has sort of evolved over the past few years. So yeah, maybe just give us a sense of, of how you describe it and how you think about the business. Cool. Thanks. Well, uh, really. Awesomeness is a next-generation media company and the way we think about it. Uh, we launched as originally a channel on YouTube. In fact, before we even deployed an MCN to pull in what essentially was our audience participating in what we were doing because the demo that we have been targeting since the very beginning is Gen Z or 12 to 24-year-olds, basically. And this demographic is highly active, leveraging all of the technology uh, that has helped build these platforms like YouTube and now Facebook and Snapchat, who are at the forefront of what is essentially a new video communication model where people are making TV uh, in their living rooms uh, and stars are being born in all of these places. And so we took advantage of that. We set out to build a brand specifically for the demographic, much in the way that the MTVs in the 70s and 80s were born because of the advent of cable television. We right. took advantage of a new technology and, and did the same by programming content every single day made specifically for them, featuring people who looked and talked and sounded like them. And when we opened up this network and built this MCN, they joined in droves. So since you guys, I guess, came onto the scene, there's been a whole lot of MCNs and then a whole lot of big media company MCN deals. And there was this wave that happened. And it felt like, you know, that was going to happen a lot more. But then I think Disney and Maker, people sort of thought that it didn't go as well as maybe Disney would have hoped. So where exactly does the MCN space live right now? And what, what sort of works and what doesn't? Well, from our perspective, we actually were never an MCN as a company. We were a media company building a brand that happened to have an MCN. And we always viewed it that way, that the MCN for us was not our business. It was a way for us to reach our audience who were becoming content creators themselves. And when they did break out, whether it was because they broke out on their own or we helped develop them into bigger stars, they were there as part of our world. And so now what that has taken on in terms of meaning for our business is that's really just our talent strategy more broadly. And we're in business with lots of really great talent, established and emerging. 
for companies that made that their entire business, they had no meaningful brand on their own. Mm. So as the content, as the content creators, the influencers, the people who were joining the network started to diversify their businesses, they were less reliant on what a maker studios, for example, uh, could do for them. And it wasn't really as meaningful as a business for Maker, and they weren't building a lasting brand that had value there, a consumer brand. Maker is not something that consumers associate with anything. It's a B2B brand. Awesomeness is a consumer brand. Right, that's interesting. Because you guys also, you know, launched, I think, a show and and did many other sort of things with the Awesomeness brand. Right, exactly. So from sort of a a business model standpoint, how how has that evolved as well? I mean, as you say, you know, you, you... didn't sort of think of yourselves as an MCN. Um, but I know you do sort of branded content as well. So how, how has that sort of evolved over, the, I guess, the past five years or so? Well, if you were to look at our company, if I were to draw it on a piece of paper for you, there would be a network and a studio, which probably sounds oddly familiar if you've been following <laughs> the media business for 50 plus yep. years. Except on the network side, we build that audience every day across all social video. Uh, We build an audience on YouTube. We build an audience on Facebook, on Instagram, on Snapchat. And what we're able to do uniquely, I think, especially when you look at Gen Z, our target demo, is pull together that audience across all of those platforms using a really great content story to reach them. And so when we work with advertisers and the part of our business that is the network is fueled by our business with advertisers is ad supported. We're able to do that for them. So they can go out and buy Google, YouTube, or Facebook on their own, and they're buying what is essentially display inventory, pre roll inventory mm-hmm. across those platforms. When they buy us, they buy into our ability to engage this audience really viscerally through storytelling across all of those platforms. Has that become sort of a a harder story for you to tell as sort of targeting has improved? You know, the use of sort of programmatic uh, has sort of helped brands, I guess, you know, target consumers, you know, as granularly as as they would like to a degree. Um, So does that, I don't know, does that sort of change the the proposition that you guys offer? It hasn't really because... For one, the the performance of digital media with targeting and programmatic has helped to drive more dollars, more share of the advertising budgets into digital. Just more generally? More generally. So the movie the the money is moving into that marketplace. But also we're able to deploy and leverage a lot of those same tools because we build together media plans that are on those platforms that allow for that same kind of targeting. So we're essentially taking all the things that you can get in digital technologically from a programmatic basis, but then we're putting on top of that a a custom creative storytelling layer that makes the advertising more impactful. So I'm curious a little bit about how it, where you guys make your money the most. So there's other there's many businesses you have, right? Consumer right. products, you have a sort of um, you have advertising, but you also do licensing. You've, you've got you've had shows with Netflix and Go90. So where what are the the growing buckets of revenue? The fastest growing buckets of revenue for you right now? So I mentioned that network and studio. The studio is what you would think of as a licensing business, and and we make. Most, if not all, of our own content. So that studio part of our business supplies our networks with all the original programming there. But it also supplies 
outside partners like Netflix and Hulu and Go90, and now we've uh, expanded our footprint and we're distributing globally to to partners outside the U.S. as well. Today, our business um, is nearly half and half, but the advertising piece of it, because of the explosion of the audience, is really growing fast, and that's the part that we're really sort of pushing the, the gas on because we're seeing that money move from the traditional marketplace and we're seeing advertisers who want to have the ability to to do these custom solutions and have something to talk about have advertising campaigns that are going to be memorable because it's harder and harder to break through and have your advertising campaign be noisy and lasting and that's something that we've been able to to package and do with them so that part of our business is growing wildly um the the licensing part of our business will always be incredibly strong because when you make content and you own it just like the age-old studio model you can sell it over and over and over again how is Go90 doing, by the way? Um, you guys had a, a sort of joint venture with them. I think you, you you decided to move away from the streaming service model. Maybe talk a little bit about what how your partnership with Go90 has evolved and what what is it these days? <laughs> right. So uh, they just launched a new version of Go90, um, which is uh, their latest rollout of the uh, the app and the experience, and it's much improved. I think it was a really great product evolution. Our programming does great on Go90. Uh, I think it's a testament to our audience, Gen Z, and their sort of mobility, right? First of all, the TV is the phone that they carry in their hand. And so that was the reason that we got into business with Verizon to begin with. And Verizon is a part owner as well, right? They are now. And, And one of the reasons they are is because we began a commercial relationship that started to work beyond everyone's expectations. We made a show. We would put it up on Go90. We'd market it across the entire awesomeness footprint. And the day our show premiered would be the day that the Go90 app would trend to the top 10 on, you know, iTunes with people going to get the app to watch our show. There have been some well-documented struggles that Go90 has seen, though. So what is the sort of reason for that? Is it just trying to find its ground, like... Where it's really hard to video. launch a new media business. <laughs> I, think, I think everyone can attest to, right. you know, building a new brand, regardless of how big you are, or how many resources you've got, is hard to break through. And but I think that they've done um, they've done a good job now evolving as they're going to double down on the content that's really working um, and to target the demographics that are going to drive that growth in the early days. And, and ours is one of them because it's going, it's going to come from Gen Z and millennials who are saying, yeah, I'm, I'm cool getting my content from new platforms. I can easily move between different platforms to get what I want and I know how to find it. And so in that way, I think, I think Verizon's media ambition is very big. And I think justifiably <laughs> well I, I think it's hard for a telecommunications company to say all right how do we really light up a, a media business but you know i don't want to speak for them but I mean, you've got 110 plus million paying subscribers there's an audience there there's a big audience there so it's a big <laughs> opportunity and i still think it's very early days right right so how do you think of some of the newer platforms snapchat for example i mean obviously again you guys got sort of your start in in YouTube specifically. Facebook, I imagine, is sort of a a big piece for you now. Um, 
you know, Snapchat and Facebook sort of pushing into the, the licensing of content sort of area. So how do you see your relationship with those platforms sort of, I guess, progressing over the next few years? Um, I think that t- time will tell. We don't even know. They're all just getting started trying to figure out the business of it all. Obviously, True. the audience is telling them what they need to know, which is the the more video you provide, the more we'll watch. So that's where you want to start. And and that's very much where our business is, too, building a brand by building an audience and then figuring out the monetization of it. Do you think it's interesting with, like, a Facebook, for example, is the audience telling the platform what they want to see? Or is the platform, to what extent is the platform telling the audience? I mean... It's a little bit of both, isn't it? I guess so. Right? Because you're... And, and that is... That's the next generation of marketing, I think, that we're all seeing, too, which is that it's so influenced by your social circles. Because what you're going to see is, to some degree, really controlled by what your friends are watching and sharing and liking and commenting on, because then that is telling the algorithm what to surface and when in my feed. Now, I think it's making an assumption pretty smartly that if someone's my friend and they have similar behavior as me on a Facebook or a Snapchat, then they're going to want to see similar things. Um, But, you know, I think that there's still a big evolution as Facebook rolls out more specific video products. It'll become a lot more premium, too, which is which is really good for us because we just look at this as a new opportunity to make TV. And I joke, I personally grew up, my career has been in the TV business, but TV doesn't mean what it has always meant. Like TV meant 8 o'clock on Tuesday on a big screen in your living room. And TV now, especially to anyone under 30, just means premium programming. Just means video. Good video, I guess. That's Well, it's interesting. I mean, there seems to be sort of a, a gap at this point in time because, as you say, the digital platforms have amassed huge audiences. But as a content producer, the the business model that works, I guess, is is still the TV one <laughs> for the most part. Some of these big platforms, you know, have, have sort of struggled to, to figure that out. Right. And, that, and that's why you're seeing now Facebook and Snapchat wanting to get into the content ownership business, right? To, right. to take funds and underwrite programming, maybe own some of that programming, whether that's because they just want to have the flexibility to have it live on their platform forever globally or because they really see the value in owning IP I don't I don't know what's driving them and they probably don't know right. wait and see okay we're going to take a quick break join us after this Rapid expansion. We're ready. Worker shortage. We're good. Anything can change the world of work. A celebrity buys the company. Depends on who it is. But relax, we've got ADP. From HR to payroll, ADP designs forward-thinking solutions to take on the next anything. For more insights, enable the Wall Street Journal skill on any device with Amazon Alexa. Get all of our podcasts, as well as the latest news and market updates. The Wall Street Journal. Listen ambitiously. Now, back to the show. Okay, welcome back. Uh, Brett, we touched on this at the top, but uh, New Fronts this week, um, sort of interested to to get your take on that. Uh, It feels like we've seen this year a lot of companies pulling out, other companies sort of stepping in to take their place. Um, It it sort of seems like the New Fronts sort of as a concept may be a bit of a crossroads. I think you guys are are presenting, uh, as I think you did last year. Um, So just sort of interested to get your thoughts on 
a new front still necessary at this point in sort of the evolution of online video or what are your thoughts well i think new fronts unfairly get compared to upfronts i mean where that was, that was intentional intentional <laughs> absolutely but the upfront is really interesting because there's a there's a fixed amount of inventory that lives in the world of tv traditional tv networks and so they they hold an auction Right, and they sell as much as they can it's to the highest bidders. It's, it's transactional. In digital, there is unlimited inventory. That doesn't mean it's all good. There's lots, you know. There's a massive spectrum of quality there, but it means though that new fronts don't exist in the same transactional way as the upfronts. And so we have always seen the new fronts as more of just an annual way to showcase what our company does. What is the content? Who are we reaching? Why does it matter? How should you work with us, Madison Avenue? Yeah. And and for that, it's it's valuable because you get a lot of people in a room at a time where they're thinking about what they're going to do in the upcoming year. We get to talk to them, first of all, to basically celebrate all of our successes. And I think uniquely amongst the presenters across the two weeks of New Fronts, we are one of the few companies that makes a bunch of announcements and then does what we said we were going to do. <laughs> and so I, well, I get to get up there and say, we did everything we did that it. we said we, we were going to do. Yeah. Well, that was going to be my question. I mean, I, I wonder if advertisers and you know agency buyers sort of have a bit of new front fatigue to an extent because, you know, as you say, there, there have been instances in the past where people get up on stage and they make a lot of noise about things which don't necessarily come to fruition. I would if I were them. I think that's the that has been the case historically is where a lot of uh, digital media brands will say, here's all this great stuff that we'll make that we if you write make. us a check. Right. Right? Right. And we took a different tact. We said, here's all the great stuff that we're going to make. Period. Right. You right. should comply with us. And And so this year I get to say that all of that stuff was made it was successful, and here's all the renewals we have. I've always admired uh, Leslie Moonves at CBS, who's such a great showman, and you know his pitch every year to advertisers is we have very few shows, new shows to announce because all of our shows are working. It's so good. <laughs> yeah. We're so good. And, <laughs> and in a way, we, we get to say uh, a very similar version of that, which is how many – um, companies that are building brands across the digital media space can talk about the shows that they're renewing. Mm -hmm. Well, so while you guys are a digital media company, you are now majority owned by a, a, the stodgy old company known as Comcast. So I wanted to ask you, you know, how has that changed anything or, you know, has, has it changed anything at all for you guys uh, now that Comcast, I think, is a majority owner and then there's Hearst and Verizon? Right. So uh, we are owned by Comcast, by way of NBC Universal, by way of the acquisition that they did of DreamWorks Animation. Right. And um, as a result of that uh, acquisition, we sit in the Universal side of the house, which I think is a really, it's a blessing for our company because they see that what we've done is built a content-driven media company, which is a business that they know really, really well. We've done it differently. We've obviously broken a lot of rules and we try to be innovative every day about how we go about making what we're making and distributing what we're making. Uh, and, and, in a, and in a lot of ways, 
going back to that description, we're a network and a studio, they get that. The biggest difference for us is that at our core, we're also a marketing company. We've built a brand that means something in less than five years to a demo that is very particular about what they like and don't like on any given day. And so for us to be a marketing partner to them across the traditional side of their company, for us to be sort of an innovation lab for thinking about how to make content more cost-effectively or faster or distributed through new channels, I think is a really compelling thing for them to have in their arsenal. Okay, unfortunately we're out of time. Uh, we're going to have to wrap it up. But Brett, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank Shalini. you. Thank Until you. next time. Uh, join us next time on the Media Mix podcast. Follow the Wall Street Journal on your favorite podcast app. Search WSJ on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Google Play Music, Stitcher, and any Amazon Alexa device. The Wall Street Journal. Listen ambitiously. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive, with no children and no casinos. Discover more at viking.com.